0: Finishing up a series in Proverbs, if you're new to us, we've been going through Proverbs for a a number of months now, and as I'm closing out this this little series, we've got four sections that I want to cover, and then we'll be concluding Proverbs. I want to talk about home life, and there's some passages that I don't want us not to, to look into regarding biblical manhood, and then biblical womanhood, and also... Uh, what it is to be biblically married. And we're going to look at those subjects over the next four weeks starting today. And then we'll move along to another section of the scripture. If you're sort of new to Meadowbrook, what we do is we tackle sections of the Bible and just go slowly through them so that we can take those truths and apply them to our lives. Today we're talking about biblical home life. What kind of home do you want to build? you thought about that i'm not talking about just a physical structure although it's pretty important to do that as well Uh, when we were talking about building a new complex you can see we're in a construction project here and many of you have been part of that discussion for a long time but we were considering what kind of church building what kind of facility we wanted to build and we were considering that based on the mission of the church and those things that are most important to us like the proclamation of god's word and the worship of god by his people and the discipling of people and educational space that is needed for that and the sweet fellowship of the saints of God and a place to greet new folks and be hospitable as that's a trait of God and so we begin to employ an architect who could take those principles and put them on paper and draft for us a design that would be helpful for us to move towards those things in a building and we looked for a builder that was experienced and very seasoned with church life and building churches and we contracted with the builder and as you can see we're starting all that process now and been looking towards building for a long time we just didn't know we were going to be looking to build in the midst of mud but there we are and god is sovereign he determines when it's going to rain and when it's not going to rain he's certainly privy to all that information including what our desire is but no no less god is working and we've got teams that are helping us to make sure that the project stays on track and that it's moving towards the goals for a place of worship a place for proclamation discipleship and fellowship all that kind of stuff so what we've done is we've tried to include all the things that were necessary so that when the building is completed it's completed so it's purposeful and it's useful and when along the way you and i've been sacrificing we've been giving in our sacrificial gifts we've been giving in a way that it would be glorious so we can walk in that building without debt it's 8.6 million dollars that we've been raising and we're close in that I can sense that that is near to us still a good bit more to raise uh, just under a couple of million dollars but at any rate we're, we're seeing that accomplished and I'm grateful for it thank you for your sacrificial gifts because they are moving us towards that goal so we had a vision we've enacted the vision and we're purposeful to the vision we're making sacrifices for the vision to be accomplished in the same way the bible says that our family life our home life ought to be in the same direction what kind of home are you building in your your amongst your family What, what are the purposes of your family what's the principle that your family has and are you building up your home life so that it might accomplish what god wants to accomplish in your home proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 and 4 say this uh, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches i really don't think that uh, that passage is talking about all the pleasantries of this world although it certainly could be that but god is not limited to what is temporal you know in the end of time all those things are going to be destroyed And what is left is what is eternal and that would be our relationship with god the word of god the the truths that we have declared and the things that we have done for the kingdom of god and for the relationships that we've established and built all those things are eternal so i don't think that he's necessarily saying build your house with wisdom establish it with understanding and i'm going to make you filthy rich i don't think that's what god's saying i think what he's saying is that i'm going to provide the pleasantries and the richness and the preciousness of life for you that is both temporal and is eternal. But it's determined upon how you are building your home with wisdom and understanding. So like building a home or building a church, you and I have aspects of our family life that we have determined that are important and that we want to pursue them. Really, that's what today's message is about. It's about pushing the pause button in the rush, fast pace of this life and just saying, let's stop for a minute and think, what we're pursuing as a family what are we pursuing in our home life how are we building up those principles and values those core values that God has given to us as a family and what should we employ in order to bring them about well of course we're going to employ the Bible because the biblical truth is eternal if we're gonna have a proper home life we have to build on the purposes and the precepts and the principles of the Bible and have that wisdom of the Bible and then we should contemplate others speaking into our family life so that we might grow in our family life and recognize that every person is going to be responsible to have a sacrificial part of building up the family just like everybody is supposed to have a sacrificial gift that we're giving on a regular basis so we might pay for that building next door by the way steel is about to come they're going to pour foundational slabs pretty soon within the next couple of weeks And as soon as that happens, steel is going to be delivered and it's going to be erected. It'll probably take us three to four weeks to erect the steel. That's a half a million dollar price tag on the steel alone. So you and I have come to a conclusion that we're going to make sacrifices in order for that kind of thing to happen. And it's the same way with our family. We are each making sacrifices so that the family is built, the home is built. Now, some of you have a greater opportunity and responsibility because God has given you more. To give more generously to the building i get that but all of us play our part and some of us in the family have a greater responsibility and even greater purposes by which we are to lead so a father and a mother ought to have a greater role in this value of the home but everybody all the children the grandparents the the extended family we all have our part in a sacrificial way so that the home is built up right and of course we remind ourselves regularly that the sacrifices are worth it because we have righteousness and living with the blessings today and tomorrow for the next generation throughout all eternity we just recognize that living different than the world lives is worth it because what we live with is eternal so what kind of home are you setting out to build I have a suspicion that if you're like Kay and me, when we were raising our boys, life was very fast-paced at that point. It is that way for many of you. And if you're not careful, you will go on in the current of the culture and never pause enough to think, are we building this thing correctly? Are we going by the blueprint that God has given to us? Are we pausing along the way to say, is this plumb with God's word, this, this family we're building? this relationship that we're building is it right if not careful you can go many years without even giving that as a contemplation but this day is meant to pause us to just ask are we on track with building the home that God has called for us to build so what would it look like if we had a home life that was built in a way that brings honor to Jesus and glory to God what would that look like well I've given this to you in your handout but it's going to be on the screen as well I think at the end of of our family we would say hey if everybody is surrendered to christ jesus we know that we're on the right path that everybody has a surrendered personal relationship with christ and they are filled with the holy spirit and if that is not the case then we are evangelizing and we are discipling to that end so the culmination of our home life starts right there it's a foundational part of building if you don't build on this your building's going to be askew anyway we are all to be surrendered to jesus christ so the number one job for fathers and mothers and grandparents and brothers and sisters the number one job for us is to ensure that everybody is surrendered to jesus christ that's our goal our goal is not to make a successful happy individual that's prosperous in this culture our goal is to bring everybody in our family into the kingdom of god to share the gospel with them and to disciple them and to flourish as a family with a culture of discipleship among family members so Kay and I are brand new grandparents but what we recognize even with our little yet to be one-year-old grandson is our purpose is to disciple him to be a young man who serves Jesus and lives his life unto the glory of Christ we recognize that and we want to be very intentional about that in fact If you're a parent, if you're a brother, if you're a sister, if you're a cousin, a niece, a nephew, whatever it is, your role is to help the family to flourish in the discipleship of Christ, to help grow them into maturity in the image of Jesus Christ. And your family will be successful, this home life will be successful if your family is living distinctly biblical And what I mean by that is that you have a biblical worldview. You are seeing the world in light of Bible truths, in light of the precepts of the Bible, which is not easy in the culture that we live in because the culture is constantly discipling us and our kids and our grandkids. You and I are determining to be distinctly biblical That we see things as God is seeing them, and we declare things as God's truth. We make decisions based on the Word of God, loving God, giving honor to Him, and loving others and giving honor to them. And then finally, this, this home life that is really successful in the way of God is a family that is grounded in a lifelong love covenant relationship with one another. So Kay and I are in a lifelong love covenant relationship with one another. And that gives the opportunity for my family to flourish in a relationship with one another as well. My kids are in a covenant relationship with me. We have made a covenant together to love one another, to be mindful of each other, to persist in the things of God together, to be purposeful about the way of God in our family life. We've determined together by covenant that we are not going to go outside these boundaries. We're going to stay within these boundaries. And what are the boundaries? The Word of God. And so we want to have a lifelong covenant relationship that exudes that of Christ, that we point people to the way of Christ. But we have to be intentional about that. The way Solomon says it, you have to be wise and understanding and have knowledge in order to build this up in your life. So what I've come to conclude is this kind of home life does not default on its own. I mean, this is way above a default. This is a lofty place that God has called us to go to. And it requires his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding and us being submissive to that and when we do god gives favor to our home life and it is a healthy reward for us you find many of those instances in the bible uh, one of which is on my mind Kay and i were reading um, i don't know a week or so ago in preparation for a breakout that we're about to leave at Meadowbrook Hunter had asked me would you lead a breakout for us on Wednesday starting this coming Wednesday would you lead that now I've been telling him no on several breakouts that he was asking me to do uh, so I feel somewhat compelled to say yes to him at some point so he asked me would you lead a breakout I said yeah what's the subject he said grandparenting I said, Grandparenting. I'm about as green as they come and as being a grandparent if, if I were gonna do that you know what I'd have to title it presuppositions to grandparenting in other words I don't have a clue but I've kind of got an idea. Uh, So we've been looking at that and seeing what would it be like if we were to facilitate such a breakout, and here's what we determined. Let's bring in about five people that are seasoned and doing it well, and let's just ask them questions. So that's what we're doing. But as we're preparing for that, we're looking at people like Lois and Eunice. Here's a mother and here's a grandmother that determined that their home life was going to be different than the culture around them. Even the culture in the house. Because Timothy's dad was not of the same faith as Timothy's mom and her mom. So here's two people who have faith in Christ Jesus, generational that determined that they're going to speak truth into Timothy, they're going to share Christ with him, they're going to bring him to a saving knowledge of Christ, they're going to disciple him, they're going to help him to know what it's like to have the filling of the Holy Spirit and live his life in that way. And man are we ever grateful to them for that. Because not only did they have a young son or grandson who became a Christian, one who followed after Jesus Christ, but he came became the pastor of a church, the church at Ephesus, and wrote a portion of the scripture for us in the New Testament. So I'm here to say to us that this is way bigger than us. God will use your children and your grandchildren and their grandchildren and their grandchildren exponentially for his kingdom if you and I will apply the biblical truths to what it's like to have a healthy, Christ-honoring home. I want to build the home well. You say, well, it's too far gone for me. No, it's not. I can tell you it's not that's the reason why if you're a grandparent you love grandparenting because you get to circle over and do it again let me get it right this time or maybe you can come and bring your children in and say hey i've got a different perspective now and i want to tell you i'm sorry for those times that i missed it and from this day forward with god's grace i'm going to walk differently before you everybody can have this shift this moment where God brings us to an understanding of truth. So let's talk about wise home life, the wisdom of God to build our homes well to the honor of God and to the goodness of our family. We need not only observe God's creation to find a rhythm and a way by which we ought to foster into our lives. You know, Proverbs talks over and over about God has created the world with wisdom. And that wisdom is evident in Eden, where God has placed mankind before the fall God has placed them in Eden and what they have discovered is the wisdom of God the wisdom of God in that they are in harmony and rhythm in relationship with God and they understand that they are made in the image of God so they have rhythm and harmony with self peace with self and who they are and they have rhythm and harmony with one another in their lives Adam and Eve do and they have an understanding of the rhythm and the peace and the harmony that they have with creation of course all that shifted when mankind brought sin into the world and brought disruption to all of that and he no longer is in right relationship with god he has a different view of himself he has a different view of each other and in creation is broken and it's really difficult to live within creation and and survive and and thrive in that but what christ is doing is he is reconciling in all things to himself So what Jesus has come to do is he's come to right our relationship with God. Those of us who were enemies of God, which we all are, were born in sin. We have a rebellious way. We go against God's word and against God's way. But Christ has come to reset that. That's what was happening in that pool a moment ago. It was an indicator that here's one who has come to Jesus by faith and he has died to the old way as if he was put into a watery grave and he has been raised up to a newness of life as he was raised by faith in Christ Jesus. Everything has changed because of that faith moment where God has extended his grace to that that little boy, Mason. So that's what Christ is doing. He is making those of us who are enemies of God to now be in the family of God and be in right relationship with God. He's reconciled us to God, and he's made us to be a new creation. We're new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new in Christ, right? So I can identify myself differently. I can identify myself in Christ as a new creation, one who has been born from above. And we see other people differently. We treat other people differently. We respond to other people differently because the love of God has filled our heart. So with husbands and wife, where they might have friction together, there can be a ministry of reconciliation that is obvious in the midst of that because God has filled their heart with love and they see each other differently. So there's sometimes that I just really sin against my wife. And she has every reason to be ticked off at me to be disappointed with me, to be mad at me. But instead, she can see me in the reconciliation of Christ and catch this, she can see me as God views me with the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ and she can forgive. And so it is for me. And so it is for our children. And so it is for the extended family that we can view other people. One of the greater prayers that I learned to pray was, Lord, help me to see my wife as you see her. Help me to see her with the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ as she's been cleansed from all unrighteousness. And as a family as well, we can learn the wisdom of God and the way of God with stewardship, that He has made us to be stewards of the land. So stewarding all the resources, managing all the resources that have been entrusted to us in a way that is wise and with understanding and with knowledge. So God has given us all those things. And we can can grow in them as a family. So let me just ask you this question. In relationship to your family, are you growing in oneness with God? Are you growing in your understanding as being born again from above and you see your family is that way? If not, are you leading them to that? Are you growing in how you're viewing one another with love, with reconciliation, with quick forgiveness? Are you promoting peace and harmony in the family are you looking to get your way and looking to be a grumbler and complainer are you stewarding the resources of god well and if you say no to those things then you're not acting in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and god would say i want to give you grace to do that and the blessings to have that so the rhythm and the way that god has established the world can be brought into our own life and i think family life can really Uh, apply those principles well so wise parents grandparents and children understand that jesus is the answer to all of our struggles so we're all going to go through struggles can we lay the gospel on top of those struggles can we see the gospel in the midst of the struggle can we see god in the midst of that can we point to him can we extol him which means to elevate him can we raise him can we praise him in the midst of that that is a healthy home that sees things beyond the temporal and sees things into the eternal so we have to practice at that we have to work at that in faith and walk in those truths so take your hand out for a minute and let's just look at the latter half of that because i want to talk about some wise practices to put in place for a home life building up the home life there's just four quick principles that i'm going to point to there identified Uh, there in your handout and i think are illuminated throughout proverbs one be in a relationship with wisdom and as paul tells us first corinthians wisdom is a person his name is jesus be in a relationship with jesus christ and be in a relationship with wisdom and here's some steps that you might begin to apply if you're not already doing that being in a relationship with jesus means that we are purposeful to read and know and apply the bible to our lives to read it, to engage it, to apply it, to know it, to think about it, to meditate on it, and circle to our family this constant question, what does the Bible say about that? So Jesus is not something we're aspiring to. Jesus is not something that we're going to. Jesus is with us. He is a personal God who chooses to personally relate to us, and He indwells us by His Spirit. This is our faith. And so with that, we take the words of truth that have been given to us, the words of Jesus, and we read them and we apply them. And he gives us insight by his spirit of truth that dwells within us. What does the Bible say about that? So in this crazy, crazy world, man, can you believe how crazy it's gotten in just the last few years? And as the Bible says, it's going to get crazier. You think it's rough now, it's going to get more rough you say well how can it get more rough oh it will jesus promises that it will so here's what we have to say as christians constantly what does the bible say about that because the world is changing its mind constantly the world says this is what that definition is now and this is how you apply it and a couple of years later they've changed the definition and say no it is the way you apply it i mean things are moving at a pretty rapid pace the things that Kay and i Are shocked about now our boys probably won't be so shocked about that in three or four or five years things are changing so you and I have to constantly come back to what is eternal can I remind you that these truths are eternal they always have been from eternity past and they will forever be in eternity future so that means today we take this word and we say what does this say about it how do I understand this truth constantly ask your family in your relationship with Christ and with the wisdom of Christ, what does the Bible say about that? And then seek counsel of the Holy Spirit. It's not just what the Bible says about that and we're reading about that, but we're reading about that with the intention that the Holy Spirit is going to help us to apply those truths. So we pray about it. So if we just got those two things out of the message today, if we want to build up a home life, it would be for people who are followers of Christ, which we pray that all of our family will be, that they read the Bible and they ask constantly, let's pray about it. Let's just ask each other, let's pray about that. Let's, what does the Bible say? And let's pray about it. And then be actively engaged in the body of Christ, the church. Train your family to grow in faith and service in the body of Christ among believers here at Meadowbrook. You and I are meant to be part of a family, a nucleus family, and an extended family, and both help us to be identified in Christ. You learn more about Christ from the pages of the Bible, by the time in prayer with the Holy Spirit, and by engaging in family life. You say, well, my family is very, very small. Oh, but your church family is large. And you and I ought to be connected to the body of Christ, this family, Meadowbrook, so that we serve together, we grow together, we are part of this faith family, and we're here all the time. You know what the number one question... Well, I shouldn't say number one. You know what the top rankings of questions includes? This is the negative. Are we going to church tomorrow? If your family is asking, are we going to church tomorrow? Then you are not building up a healthy family with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. It just ought to be absolute. You don't ask yourself, "Uh, are we going to read the Bible this week? Are we going to pray this week? we're we going to go to church this week of course that's who we are in our relationship with christ we read the text we pray the text and we come together collectively to engage the text all right so secondly be an example of one walking in wisdom here's what proverbs says proverbs 20 verse 7 the righteous who walks in his integrity blessed are his children after him And I like this verse as well, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Now think about this for a moment. Your children take refuge in your wisdom that comes from Christ. So it's one thing for you to have refuge in Christ. He is the shelter in which we, we move to. He's the strong tower. He's the rock in which we stand on. Here's what Proverbs says, If you, as a dad, as a mom, as a grandparent, as an older brother, older sister, whatever it is, if you are engaged in the wisdom of God, particular dad and mom, your wisdom is the refuge for your children. When life around them is crazy, they come and take refuge in you because you are the wisdom of God in their lives. I encourage you in that. That's available to all of us. And your children are hungry for that. Your grandchildren are hungry for that kind of wisdom. Don't come to a conclusion like some parents. Well, I'm just going to raise them up and live my life before them and let them decide. Oh, no, be the wisdom for them. Guide them in the way of the truth of God. Guide them to wisdom so that they might have refuge in the wisdom that you have. And then wisdom lives purposefully with that harmony and that rhythm and that peace that we talked about a moment ago. That's that's the Edenic way. Proverbs says it this way, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. What Proverbs says is in the rhythm of God, in the wisdom of God, things are at peace. There's harmony. So be careful Proverbs is saying if you're chasing after more and more stuff, or in this case, if you're chasing after having the filet mignon every night and there's strife in your house, it would be better if you had a stale piece of bread to eat as long as you have peace. Proverbs restructures things. Proverbs says this life, this building of the home life is best when we have peace with one another and we elevate peace among stuff we let the peace of the household rule over the stuff that this world tries to get us to be enamored by and chase after and be diligent towards how about your house is it evident that there's wisdom in your house because there's peace in your house peace has to be pursued in fact the scripture tells that to the church make every effort to pursue peace if you're not thinking towards that then you will have disharmony in your home you have to be purposeful to be peaceful you know what oftentimes I find myself thinking I can either be right in this situation or I can be at peace with my wife sometimes you can't have both anybody else with me on that and she has to be thinking that constantly I can either be right in front of him or I can be at peace with him sometimes you can't have both I choose peace and and i've come to find out that if we'll live that way the right just settles the other one's got enough walk with christ that we come in humility and we come around to the conclusion that it's full and right with wisdom and knowledge number three be consistent with giving correction and loving discipline so disciplining your children well is to lovingly disciple them in the way that they should go Man, is our culture ever confused about this? The world is certainly uh, in a different direction than God on this. Like each adult, children have sinful hearts, and if they are left alone, they will continue to walk a path of sin all the way to hell. Discipline impedes their steps on that journey to hell discipline says no, no no you are not going to walk in that way of sin i love it enough not to let you walk in that way of sin and discipline imposes on that individual that boy or that girl in a way that helps them to see that's a way that leads to destruction i want to be on the way that leads to wellness and wholeness and peace and rest in my life and in my family's life discipline teaches your children gospel truth that every sin has a consequence and it has to be paid for that God is just and God is true. Wise discipline instructs your children to a way of repentance. It's not just enacting justice and judgment and punishment, but it's corrective. It's moving your children back to the way that they should go. And isn't that what the gospel is doing? The gospel is moving us to the way. Jesus says, I am the way the gospel is moving us to righteousness and the right way of living the gospel empowers us to live out the righteous way of christ with obedience and that's what we're training our children to be and to do when we discipline them now the bible advocates correcting your your kids sometimes with spanking and scolding here's the way the bible says it in proverbs 23 13 and 14 don't fail to discipline your children they won't die if you spank them physical discipline may well save them from death. Or he says in Proverbs 29:15, "The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother." So here you can see that the rod and reproof go together. So there are many times that I could correct my sons with just words, with reproof. And there are other times that it had to include spanking because there's A reset button back there that you have to hit every now and then and then you have to reprove them you have to you have to instruct them in the way that they should go Uh, the world right right now i'm thinking that kxx is is broadcasting this while we're speaking they're broadcasting on the radio and there's a number of people say are you kidding me that church believes in spanking and every kid is saying dad let's don't go there (laughs) you're thinking right now oh man the pastor is throwing me under the bus but let me tell you The Bible says that if your parents don't discipline you, it's because they hate you. And that's that's what the Bible says. That the one who loves is the one who disciplines. That's the words of the Bible. Now, I know that goes against the culture around us, but God is the eternal heavenly Father. And this is the way the Father says we ought to do it. You say, well, that's not the way we are in the 21st century. Hey, if it's good enough for the God of the universe who is eternal, it's good enough for me. And if you've got a problem with that, just email. Don't email me. Email Solomon at Bible.com. Because these are the words of Solomon. And we're just pointing to the truths that God has given to us in Solomon. Now, let me just say that you and I should use the Bible as our corrective means and the guidance for that. Don't use the Bible to justify your abuse. Discipline in this way is meant to be loving. It's meant to be corrective, to nurture, to move. Uh, my youngest son is in the, in the congregation today, and I'm grateful for that, but he would say, hey, Dad, I wish you'd have preached this before I was born. And can I just say that I wish that there was an opportunity for me to take a mulligan and do some things over again. Because sometimes as parents in the flesh, we respond in discipline out of anger or frustration. And the Bible says that's not what this is about. This is about you nurturing a heart and correcting a way because you recognize if they stay in that way, that they'll be on a continual path to hell. And you're trying to capture their heart and bring them to the way of God. It took me a while, but I finally understand in parenting that Kay and I had a role in their life which was not to modify their behavior, but to help with their heart. If I'd grabbed hold of that as they were younger, I would have been disciplining differently. If you're a young parent here today, can I encourage you to seek the Bible on the way to discipline your children? And just trust the Bible. Do it in love, do it as the parameters that God has given to you. We spank for outright defiance and honest dishonesty and rebellion, always pairing it with instruction. If I could do it over again, I would say, I'll never discipline my children in that way without giving them clear instruction afterwards, because it's meant to be a reset. It's meant to recognize that this sin is costly. It's painful to the way that's right the way that's blessed so some of you go through workouts on a regular basis and when you're in the gym and you're working out and a couple of days later you can hardly move you can't hardly raise up your arm to brush your hair or your teeth and sitting down in the bathroom is a miserable experience when you've been doing leg workouts but yet you do it again over and over and over it's like what? Why go through all that pain? And the reason why you go through all that pain is because you know the pain actually builds up good. You recognize that inflicting pain sometimes to our body is for our good. And a parent understands that systematically as well. That my purpose in my heart is to be good, and this is the way God has instructed me at times to bring discipline, pain, to my children in order that they might have what is good and then finally be purposeful to instruct your family with words and by example whoever came up with that phrase of you know live out the gospel before people and when you have to use words that person is just completely contrary to scripture that's not the way this works faith comes by hearing hearing the word of god right so our lives as parents and grandparents and older brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, whatever it is that we have the opportunity, our opportunities are to instruct the family in the way of God and live it before them. Here's the way Solomon said it. Hear, O sons of father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. So listen to my words. I give you good precepts do not forsake my teaching in other words he, his his dad know, knows the good things of life the blessings of life and he's trying to instruct his son in that way and he saw this from his own father he is giving what his father has given to him so david has instructed and lived his life before solomon solomon is now instructing his son to and living his life before him when I was a son with my father tender and the only one in my side of my mother he taught me and said to me let your heart hold fast to my words keep my commandments and live so the father the mother is for their children so that they might live in a prosperous way so can I give you just three very fast ways that I'd like for you to think about the instruction and in living life before your children and your grandchildren in a way that builds up a healthy home first planned times of instruction with your family that's a family devotion time uh, here again if i could go back and reset some things in my life growing up with my boys i would have a more disciplined time of instruction just purposeful i'm encouraged by young families at meadowbrook who have bought into that idea of family devotions and they lead their little ones to the word of god and they instruct them and they pray with him could i encourage you to have family devotion times if you're a wife then say to your husband today would you read the bible with me would you pray with me uh, kay and i do that regularly and i can tell you it brings great harmony and peace into my family when we read the bible together when we pray together and it will be that way for your children and your grandchildren as well planned times of instruction and then Unplanned occasions for instructions, those are life moments. It's that time where something comes up and you say, Well, let's pause here for a moment and let's think about what God says about this. Let's read the Bible for a moment about this, or let's pray about this, and let's reset our thinking. It's the time when you see something on television and you say, Hey, oh, let's let's time out for a minute. What does God say about that? Or your kids come in and they tell you something that's going on at school, whoa, whoa, time that time out. Let's Think about this for a moment. What does God say about this? It's a moment of instruction where you're just looking for the opportunities. Don't be overwhelmed by those moments. Take the moment as an opportunity to reset their thinking to be biblical and not let the world sway them one way or the other. And then finally, would you be reflective and instructive in conversations? One of my favorite times now with my boys is to be outside around a little fire pit that we've got built, and we have a fire going. The conversations are good. I don't know about you, but I'm mesmerized when I'm looking at a fire. I'm mesmerized by all the colors and the dancing and the embers. I just get in that stare mode. Anybody like that as well? You don't have to have marshmallows. You don't have to have s'mores. Just give me a fire. I'm happy. And the conversations that can take place around that can be very incredible or maybe you're not an outdoorsman maybe you'd rather go to the coffee shop how about dads or moms taking a son or a daughter to a coffee shop for the purpose of having conversation just listening responding biblically and let's pray about that let's think about that what do you what do you believe the truth of god is in that scenario scenario or think about hunter Hinesman and his father todd going to school and on the way to school stopping at the huddle house almost every morning to have breakfast together hunter tells me that those chats with his dad formulated his life and we are the beneficiaries of that intentional conversations taking the opportunity and making the opportunity happen or how about on a beautiful day like today to go on a, a walk to go on a hike, to go up to Nakalula, get on the trails. You know what they're good for? You can't be looking through social media while you're walking a trail or you're going to be humiliated, right? You got to watch where you're going and you're going to chat along the way. Those are intentional times and opportunities without all the world's noise where you can just have conversation. Husbands and wives would do well to have that time. Grandparents and grandchildren have a great opportunity there siblings great opportunity mom and dad certainly a great opportunity now let me ask you this what if we could envision our family having success in this what if we could envision our family having wisdom and understanding and knowledge from God and applying it purposefully in our lives what would life be like what if we envisioned our failure? Just choosing not to be purposeful in this way, what would that family look like? I'm here to say that if you don't purposefully move towards what is right, the default is to go the way of the world. And today is one of those opportunities to say, okay, God, time out. I need to rethink this. I need to purposefully be building my family in a way that honors christ and can be generationally good let's pray about that now lord as we have contemplated your scripture we pray that your spirit who is our great teacher would help us to have life in it for some in this room it's an opportunity to say time out the way i'm going is not the way of god and i need to reset so lord we thank you for that moment of repentance where we can change the way we're thinking and walk in a different way maybe there's a father or a mother or a child or a grandparent that needs to humble themselves ask forgiveness and walk in a new way i pray lord that you would give the grace to do just that I'm thankful for those who prove to be faithful in this way. Lord, their family is making a great impact. It will today and will throughout eternity. I bless you for them. And I pray that you would give them the sustaining grace to continue in that, to persevere. In a world that is darkening, may they be the light that shines brightly. So help us, God, in these things, I pray.